Hey guys, welcome back. We are so happy to see you again, slash hear you hearing us. I'm Hobbs and I use they, them pronouns. And I am Linz and I use any pronouns. Any. And this is Queer Retrograde because the Mercury is doing wild things. So let's get into it. (laughs) Y'all. We have a fucking dead ass therapist on this podcast. <laughs> How did we even get this Dark. person to come on this? Like, I am so, I'm so impressed. It's getting so real. Like, I was telling people, I was telling my coworkers, like, yeah, I got a podcast. They're like, oh yeah, what of it? And I was like, yeah, we just had a my like, we had a therapist on there. Like, oh my god. I know. Oh, this is like you, you're you you okay? It's a podcast. Like that's what I said. Uh, yeah, <laughs> fucking a yeah. And this isn't just any therapist, y'all. I'll be real with you. It's my therapist, Chloe Cook. She is divine and wonderful. And thank God Google sent me in her direction when I was desperate last July, and I was like, someone give me some help. I need someone who's a person of color, and I need some like fucking impact behavioral therapy right now. And she came through. Right. I've already recommended her to about three people. So (laughs) yo, she's the best. Like I already feel like the first session, you know, you get those questions like, what what do you want? Why are you here? And it has only been building on itself. And I feel like while it has been semi-regular to regular overall, my trajectory with this person has been nothing but like growth and like I feel like I went into therapy thinking that like I like a self little masochist. I was like, I just want someone to tell me about my own shit. I want it like someone to just throw back at me, tell me I'm an asshole. And she's like, no, Hobbs, listen, listen, <laughs> we just kind of point out your behavior and be like, yo, what do you actually want? And what are you actually doing? And like compared to how I was last July compared to now, because I really was like, I just want to get back to the person that I was before all of this. And all of this is the the pandemic blues and this sense of self-worthlessness and this sense of like everything is awful awful and without also feeling like uh, actually I don't know where I'm going with that thought but yeah no it was just it's been great with her it's been great she's done a great job and yeah I mean how has therapy been for you Linz where are you at with that I love my therapist Oh my God. DJ is fucking awesome. Um, I feel like, honestly, I have a quote from DJ up on my wall. Ah! Okay. So she said to me, like, she was talking to me. She was trying to like, kind of like talk me down a little bit because I was like getting all worked up about some problematic shit that someone said to me or something. And she was like, you know, Lindsay, like, I think that you're super dope and you're a warrior and like, you're about to like go into the fight all the time, but like, you know, is it worth it? Like, do you, do you want to do this? Like, and just, I, I was just like, wow, like my therapist, said some fucking awesome things about me i'm gonna write it and put on my wall <laughs> yo when you get a compliment in therapy it really is like well, yo i showed you some ugly shit mm-hmm. you still said that yeah i got hope for the rest of the world now thank you right thank yeah you. and yeah i guess i guess i've been with my therapist for 
I don't know. We started, we had like literally like one or two sessions before the pandemic that we had in person. Oh. So I guess it's been over a year or a year and a half now. Oh. You guys should celebrate um, an anniversary. I know, right? Bring some flowers. Oh my God. I'm so happy that I found DJ. It was actually a recommendation like through a friend, which I feel like is always like a solid mm-hmm. um but yeah have you ever had to have like a therapist breakup where like you had to break up with your therapist yeah the one I had before who I went initially with her like on family therapy sessions with my mom Mm -hmm. like some years ago I feel like she was great for a time in my life where I just needed to be validated a lot because I was just like I was trying to leave the city and trying to figure out what the hell what I was going to do next but also trying to figure out a lot of like generational family trauma stuff and figure out where my role was in it without trying to be the fixer because mm. I think that I definitely fall uh in that a lot but through it I feel like she was great for that time in my life just because again she was just was like you're doing great like keep going keep doing your thing like this is just very like supportive in a way how I felt like my family wasn't really able to really like support me so after I left, I tried to come back to her when, like, when I came back into Nova, like last year, and she didn't answer my text. But I was like, it's kind of for the best, though. Honestly, though, too, because a lot of times I felt like when I would express um, things about my life in terms of like, my childhood and the dynamics of that, like, it, it felt a little exoticized, just because like I'm like a mixed person. I'm only like one of the only like one of the only black people in my entire family, so it just kind of felt like all the things that I had to say. She's just kind of oh well, like that's wild. I'm like. <laughs> okay (laughs) wild but also like yo can you see me can you see me can you hear me and I feel like my current therapist now I'm kind of glad that I had to like transition over someone who is a person of color and black and just be in the presence of someone who isn't really riding with that it's just like it feels like a totally different gear that I'm in Mm -hmm. and a different kind of growth that I'm in too because I actually feel like pushed like pushed in a good like a good way she's not like pushing me into like more than what I can handle or bite off more than I can chew, but definitely being pushed in the direction of like owning up to my own shit versus feeling like I'm just kind of pouring everything out all at once and just needing like someone to just hold that with me. Now she's like, okay, what are we going to do about this? And Chloe does stand true to impact therapy because as much as I feel like, even if I feel like I'm going into a session with like a, a narrative and it's like, I tell her everything and I'm like, all right, cool. And I'm going to like, no, <laughs> before you go, like, I would be remiss to not mention, like, you know, even if you are feeling all these positive things, like, or ex- experiencing all these positive things, like you still have to realize like people in your life can still be like this or the world can still like do these things. And like, it's just always kind of brings me back down to earth without feeling like a downer, which is mm-hmm. exactly what I need. So that's been great. So basically your therapist broke up with you by not responding to your text. She sure did. Broke up with me and my mama. She's like, I ain't fucking with y'all anymore. Y'all, Damn. y'all too fucking much. I feel like, honestly, I feel like she had a lot going on before even like the pandemic that I'm like, I wouldn't be surprised if she just either shut down practice or was just like, no to you guys. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, no. Or like, you know, like, I don't know, like by the time I left, it was like, where, where was there to go? Like, not to say that I'm perfect or some shit like that, but just show where was there to go in terms of like her purpose? It, it was fulfilled. I left town Mm -hmm. and 
I got my wings and I left. I think she was just like, I think that's enough for me. Right. After. Uh, God. I don't take it personally. I'm like, yeah, I get it. Whatever. Right. Yeah. And then when you started with Chloe, did she talk about like, you know, if we need to, uh, like- Oh, end it. Oh yeah. I mean, she was like, yeah, there are like, you, there's certain, like, let me know if you don't want this or if this isn't working. She was very like upfront about like, if and when we break up and I was like right, right. suggesting I, I wasn't thinking about that I was like just so desperate right. <laughs> like I think it'll be fine and it was fine it's been fine it's been great right so yeah, yeah she's, her first appointment is very like transparent yeah that's nice DJ mm-hmm. was like that too oh good super thankful for mm-hmm. my last therapist was like pretty well we just fizzled out unfortunately mm. <laughs> You just stop texting each other. <laughs> well, basically, like I went to Mexico for the summer mm. and then I came back and we had like a few, maybe like one or two sessions. And then I was like, you're not progressive enough for me. Mm. And I just didn't schedule another appointment. It'd be like that. But I would have liked some closure because I was working with that person for like, I don't know probably at least a year for sure so yeah but anyways therapy is fucking awesome I know it's really hard to like find the right fit sometimes though but I feel like you and I just kind of lucked out lucked out yeah also like I think with any relationship in your life like take that time if someone's not going to address it to your face definitely address it to your own face is this am I getting what I need out of it versus right. like, Oh, they're a professional. I just have to go along with whatever they're doing just and wait and see and find out. Don't fuck around and find out in therapy. Just don't right. like, have your intentions set up, know what you're looking for. And actually like the fact that there's just so many different kinds of practices, I didn't know this, but the fact that there's just so many different kinds, like you may as well, yeah, find the one that actually suits your needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, I don't really know the best segue into this, but like, I'm curious about your thoughts on this idea that Chloe brought up of like people who are getting into a relationship, like going to therapy and stuff. Yes. Okay. So as you all see in this conversation with Chloe, she kind of brought up like if we were Sims right now. Chloe created a third thought bubble when you first meet someone. Should we go to therapy together? <laughs> after you just met them. <laughs> but not like after you just met them, you know, not like in a, you know, wild movie Hollywood kind of way. But it kind of shattered my brain to think about like, okay, if you met someone and things are really gelling, whether it's romantic or not, right? And like things are just happening so like fast and intensely and you feel like, oh, I feel like we've known each other in a past life type shit. You just have to have all this like, longevity in this moment of like uh, a short amount of time it's totally okay and encouraged to go to therapy with this person yeah like what I've been trying to process that since the (laughs) conversation and like I if anything I feel comfortable with it it doesn't feel like such a far-off thing because I've already brought it up with (laughs) with people that I you know it just to kind of like throw it out there not to say that I feel like it's totally like necessary but like it definitely should be an option that I feel like is thrown out there so just even the other so that the other person knows like 
uh, I'm open to this. It, it's just, it still sounds so like extra in my mouth to say it, it. I hear how it sounds guys. I do. I do. I hear it. What did you think about it? Oh my God. I was really excited because I am like known for getting caught up. Like Mm. I'm like a pretty classic like lesbian in that sense where like I've only U-hauled really. Mm. And like, I think that like my most recent relationship is like an instance where like we probably wouldn't have U-hauled because like Nat was so just like grounded and uh, very uh, uh, realistic and like all Mm. of these things. But- The pandemic happened. So yeah. we did y'all. Uh, <laughs> Throw it in the blender, y'all. Throw it in the blender. Right. And so that's something I'm trying to be really like actively aware of moving forward and just trying to be really, you know, like I want to be intentional about any people I bring into my life, no mm-hmm. matter what. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I think therapy is just like a tool for that, basically, like to and and also this idea of like getting another opinion where there's not really much at stake for that third party. Whereas like if I'm talking to a friend or something about a new relationship, like there is something at stake where they're like, well, I don't want our friendship to, you know, mm, mm-hmm. Uh, be impacted because of what I say or whatever so I think it's super valuable and I will definitely be taking that into consideration moving forward uh yeah like (laughs) like I've seen someone now and like I definitely pose that I told them about the podcast and I told them about like what Chloe had said Mm -hmm. and just was like I, I don't know like don't be surprised if this comes up but after the fact, I mean, I don't think they were put off by it, but like at one point or other, I was like, I need to tell you that like it, I only bring this up, not because of you, but solely because of me, <laughs> because you exit one relationship. Right. And it's like, you don't want to get caught up in like, oh, I just want the opposite. Not to say that I've jumped into a whole new relationship in general. Like that feels like, uh, I don't know. I might cut this part out. It, it just, it, it's so weird to like go from what am I saying it's not weird to go from one relationship to the next that's not it it's just that how do you really stay present with your intentions without feeling like you're putting a band-aid on your wound that just happened by your own self not even blaming someone else from another relationship that you've been in and going into a new one without projecting your ideal companion on them without right. feeling like you're just chasing the opposite and that'll fix everything. How do you really um, uh, stay present in that? And I feel like for me, a lot of my fears are in losing myself again. Like you mentioned, like getting caught up and like feeling like, oh shit, here I go again. Here goes another like, you know, whirlwind of like where I lost all of my shit versus like, I'm really trying to like stick at home with myself of like, really like, dude, you've got three days off a week. One of those days is just for you. Right. It's gotta be just for you. Like if that's the only way how you can physically see dating yourself to like manifest itself, like that's what we got to like do first mm-hmm. or anything else, because it is very easy, very easy to get so 
enamored and caught up and swept up with whatever the juice someone else is doing and like want to just drink that shit all the time and it's like of course like we all know that like asking for consent is not unsexy it makes everything sexier so like the idea that like putting a therapist into the middle of two people who are really connecting super fast isn't like water on the fire I feel like it if anything it could be really exciting of like is this really like what we think it is right exactly is this like as compatible as I'm feeling it is right I think that's totally worth it but again it feels so weird in my mouth to say Mm -hmm. it feels so extra I think just because it's not it's not a common practice. I mean, so, I mean, y'all will hear this in the conversation, like how it came up with Chloe is because I was asking about like, you know, individual therapy is this thing that is really accepted just as like an upkeep thing, you know, like Mm -hmm. we all just go to individual therapy, but then for relationships, it's like something has to be super wrong for people to go. And it's like, I don't really understand that. Like, a relationship requires just as much upkeep as like an individual self. And so therapy should just be a part of that process. Absolutely. And like, as I'm thinking about it, I'm like, oh, I would go to therapy with Reese. Like we've been, we only just figured out that we're platonic life partners, but like, it's been nine years that I've known this kid. Like I would definitely go to therapy with him. Not even to say that like, oh, shit's hitting the fan with us, but just straight up, like we're entering this different dimension of like, uh linguistics that are surrounding our relationship so i think it would be and we're about to move in together too so it's like Mm -hmm. this whole other layer of like how do we make sure that this thing is like still popping in a way that feels good to both of us without feeling like we can just assume like oh we've loved each other for so long it'll be fine like it probably will be fine but like it would be also be great to get tools from a professional to be like yo you might run into this because i know i got blinders i've never moved in with someone who i've known this long right and like have like I've never moved in with Reese before and I've never had a relationship like Reese with Reese before Mm -hmm. or with anyone else before like Reese so yeah Yeah. maybe maybe that's the therapy session I need to be booking (laughs) Reese if you're listening we're going (laughs) we'll see we'll see (laughs) but if anything makes me excited because I'm like look at my is this, not to say oh I need like a validation that this is as great as I think it is but like that sounds kind of exciting though too right yeah it's I mean yeah it just we just got to keep reframing it to be like what it is versus this like you know the th- the thing is the media that we consume you know yeah it, it makes us think that everything is like a big whirlwind mm-hmm. and it really like part of that whirlwind like you said is consent part of that whirlwind is communication part of that whirlwind is fucking therapy if you know if that's a a good tool to continue communicating and like assessing Mm -hmm. and whatnot yes um and yeah we just need to keep teaching ourselves that and like validating each other for doing that I think to unlearn what media has taught us ultimately i think and boomers boomers when i say society i mean you right like my mom every single time that we talk she's like um yeah you know i have a lot of deep-rooted like anger and 
just I have a lot of resentment I I should really go talk to someone about it and I'm like yeah mom like I fucking love therapy I go every week like it's awesome highly recommend and we've been having this conversation like every single time we see each other for probably the past like three or five years and and I'm just like yo it's time to go because Chloe brought up resentment as well and like how that could be such a poison Mm -hmm. where you cannot move on even if someone apologized the best apology in the world doesn't mean shit Mm -hmm. if you're caught up in some resentment and that really like that slapped me in the fucking face yeah that was that I felt like I got free therapy (laughs) on this interview well that's what this episode is y'all some free therapy and a really fucking badass therapy recommendation therapist recommendation for you as well so let's Mm -hmm. fucking get into it boom boom all right everyone we have a professional in the house the kind of professional (laughs) you want to hear about this is a therapist we have chloe cook Chloe, go ahead and say what's up. Hi, everyone. I'm Chloe Cook. I am a licensed marriage and family therapist. And well, I guess I can do that at the end. I'll tell you guys what practice I I work with at the end. (laughs) But do you want to go ahead and let everyone know like what your, well, you already just said your name, but your pronouns and kind of like where you're at right now. And that's like in a physical, maybe metaphorical sense or however you want to take that. Sure. My pronouns are she, her. And where I am right now, I would say I'm pretty uh, busy right now. Mm-hmm. I have, a, <laughs> as you both know, I have a toddler and I have one on the way. So my life is really busy right now and I'm excited for the future. Nervous at the same time, but I'm ready. <laughs> oh my God. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Sheesh. All right. Well, let's just airdrop You're ourselves. Surprised. You're I know. Surprised. Yeah. I was like, wow. Okay. All right. For the record, I feel like now I have to say it. Chloe is my therapist, everyone. <laughs> Chloe is awesome. I, we've been in this practice since like last July. It has been awesome. So I, this is the first time I'm hearing of you being pregnant. So that's really awesome here too. I dropped a big bomb today. Yeah. <laughs> is it going to be, I wonder what sign it's going to be. Wow. I think Nine months from uh, Scorpio. Oh. coming in hot (laughs) truly oh my gosh so I feel like everyone kind of like wants to know like in therapy like is there like a set of go-to questions that you bring when you have a new client that comes in or for couples or groups when they just come to you for therapy yeah definitely well the first thing I like to know if is if you have ever been in therapy before. Mm -hmm. And the reason I asked that question is because therapists are human too, right? Everybody has a a style or a way of doing things. And I'd like to know what worked for my clients in their previous therapy sessions and what didn't work. Because what I don't want to do is create a bad experience or repeat something that maybe didn't work in a previous therapy Um, journey that someone had and I'd also like to kind of piggyback on things that did work in previous therapy journeys that my clients had so that's really one of my first questions that I like to ask my new clients Mm -hmm. yeah Um, as far as my couples obviously I uh, 
have like a intake type of questionnaire that I like to ask because I want to know what your reasons are for coming to therapy uh, because that gives me an idea of where we might need to go on the path of questioning. Mm -hmm. um, so what your reasons are, some of the things that you're struggling with, some of the things that you tried and didn't work. So those are kind of like my go-to questions that I ask for. Mm. Yeah. So aside from the sort of like intro questions, what are some of the main differences, I guess, that you would point out in uh, individual therapy versus like couple or group therapy? Okay, so well, we have to separate group therapy from couples and individual completely, and I'll explain why <clears throat> in a minute. But for individual and couples or family therapy, um, to be honest, I don't like to completely separate the way I do therapy, and I'll tell you why, and this is why I have the license that I have. So as a marriage and family therapist, we have additional training in what's called systemic therapy. And what that means is one person doesn't have a problem. When there's an issue or a problem, it's affecting a system. Meaning it's not just you and your problem. You're not alone in your problem. Your problem is gonna mm -hmm. affect other people or other people are going to affect you and create different interactions, whether it's with work, romantic relationships, family relationships, everybody is intertwined. So I like to approach both similar because when I have an individual, they are going to share experiences that they have with other people. So now we're creating a system, right? So we have to address the interactions that you have with your system. So it's really not that big of a difference. The only difference with couples is that we have a huge role in identifying how you communicate, the type of arguing that you do, how you make up, mm -hmm. uh, other family that may have some type of interaction that's creating the issue that you're bringing to therapy. So those are the only real differences between couples and individual mm -hmm. therapy that I can think of. As far as groups are concerned, I haven't really done one in a while. We're, we, we've actually been thinking about adding some groups at our practice. Um, if you visit the website, you'll see, I think there are some that are actually coming up in the summer, but I won't be leading any of them because I have a lot on my plate right now. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, group therapy can be more of a support type of therapy. And that means that it's not really the therapist that is helping create awareness and helping you come up with solutions and identify um, things that may be creating barriers in your life, but it's the other people in therapy. Mm -hmm. So you're getting ideas and suggestions and you're hearing stories and you're supporting each other. And that's why groups can be so helpful because you're, you have a common thing the reason why you came to group and you get to hear other people's experiences on how they overcame different things or what are they doing to help with some of the issues that they're experiencing. And it's good to hear. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, I know when I first came out with the whole gender non-binary thing, I went to a gender support group and it was like just walking into a room and knowing that like anything I said, we already started at this point of like, I already feel normal <laughs> around right, you guys. It's... Other people are like you. Exactly. Yeah. Super helpful. Mm-hmm. Wow. Have you ever been in a group where um, you as the therapist heard someone suggest something and you're like, oh shit, no, this is bad. <laughs> What do you mean? Do you have like an example? You mean uh, like suggest a, uh, like something to help someone else yeah. in the group? Yeah. Let's see. I'm trying to think. How does one pump the brakes? So, <laughs> right. well, so I'll give you two a little background. I actually got my start uh, working in rehabilitation centers and oh. we had in what's called an IOP program, so intensive outpatient program. And we helped people with co-occurring disorders, meaning they had an addiction uh, disorder and a mental health uh, disorder associated with that addiction. And so I would do the family groups and individual groups um, getting my start. And so I had a group that I was assigned to individually. I would see people, but then I had a big group with those people and their families or just the group of the people who were in the program. And so in a situation like that, you will hear suggestions that are maybe like a little sketchy. (laughs) But as the facilitator, being the therapist in the group, you simply pose questions to help people talk them out. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I wouldn't say anything like, I don't know if you want to do that because you don't want to discourage people Mm -hmm. uh, with communicating in the group and you don't want them to feel like they don't have good input into the group. Everybody needs to be able to share what they feel and how something, how they feel something has helped them. That person may feel like it was a good idea or a good suggestion. So I would have them kind of talk it out. And if it seemed as if it would be something that would not be helpful for other people in the group, I would have them put themselves in the other person's shoes. Mm. So how would so-and-so's situation benefit from that suggestion and have them talk it out Mm. that way Mm -hmm. the answers are in the questions Mm -hmm. always (laughs) always so wait what's I guess this question I'm really interested in of like how do we navigate the differences between ideas around the self and like how we relate to other people like Mm -hmm. where is like the line of okay I feel like we all have imposter syndrome or like some level of like at some point what I'm doing (laughs) right or like what I'm doing and like is it just me am I the common denominator am I the problem like how do you really like identify when to evaluate someone is the problem versus like okay things are just kind of happening to you or is that really even like a fair question to be posing when it's therapy no it is a fair question but we have to as a therapist we have to walk that fine line of okay, it's you, you're the problem. Because Mm. there are instances where people are experiencing things that are happening to them that feel like patterns. And it's like, why are these things happening to me? And so in therapy, that's where we have to begin to identify what are we allowing into our our space. So these things may truly be happening to you and you may not necessarily be the problem, but you're inviting it. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? Mm -hmm. Right. So I'm allowing these things to happen. I didn't choose it, 
but it happened because almost kind of like the when you hear people talking about the law of attraction so I'm attracting these things because you may not have healthy boundaries Mm -hmm. in place or you may be what I call well I'm not going to say I because there's research around this uh trying to replay or mimic a previous relationship because you need a do-over right Mm. so I had a bad experience so yeah Uh uh-huh that happens quite often and so it's not necessarily the person is the problem but it's because they aren't creating uh, healthy boundaries for themselves and other people that are creating these situations for them so how does that play out in the lens of like privilege and accessibility when like life really just just be happening to you wait I need I need a little bit more like like okay like when our last episode happened with abundance right I feel like a a listener could hear that about like okay law of attraction all these things like we really are choosing uh the energy we want to emit because we want to track that back but somewhere down the line it's like that conversation has to like shed light on like okay sometimes you can't control things like life just happens like tragedies happen like for instance, even with the whole pandemic thing, like with there's the fact that it's still going on, we're still processing it. We will not, we can't even begin to start like recovering because it's still happening. Yeah. So I guess I'm wondering like where that line is in identifying if the person is the problem or if it really just is a product of like the environment that someone is in. Uh, you know, I really think that it has to do with what we what we know we have control over and what we don't. So like when you say things about the pandemic or, you know, maybe tragic things keep happening to somebody like, um, you know, car accidents or um, some of your family members are dying and things like that. All those things cause emotional trauma, but you had no control over it. Mm-hmm. Um, when you talk about boundaries and experiences that you have with other people, there is some sort of control that you have over that because you cannot allow Um, someone to break push a boundary that you set Mm. right you have control over that you don't have control over that person's behavior Mm. but you have control over creating that boundary and it's up to you whether or not you want to enforce it or you try to continue to force it if they keep if they keep pushing it so that's the difference so deciphering whether something is external of you that you have no control over rather things that you do have control over that are directly affecting you heard mm-hmm. yeah mm. yeah i wonder too if there's a piece of like even if there are a ton of things outside of your control that are happening mm-hmm. um how are you reacting or not reacting to them or okay. like um you know at some point like it's just like like too much is too much and we're we're all human but um I wonder too like if there is a practice of like uh am I giving myself space to deal with the emotions that are coming with these things or is it about my self-talk or like you know I wonder too if there's a piece of it there where it's like even things out of our control if we can accept that they're out of our control and then figure out what we can do that is in our control like there's some sort of maybe freedom there as well and even with like I've thought about this with like um like systemic 
things as well of like, okay, well, I'm not going to change the system overnight, but what are steps that I can take that feel like useful and valuable? And like, how can I do this in a way that feels that provides like longevity as well versus like, um, doing a lot of actions and like get, getting super burnt out or something like that. Um, Mm -hmm. that's how I'm thinking about it. Yeah. I think you, you hit the the nail on the head. Acceptance is a very, very important word there. And what you were explaining, accepting that it's out of your control and doing the things you can to manage whatever emotions that are coming out of what you're experiencing is really a, a major part in trying to stay sane in this crazy world that we live in. Um, yeah, you said it, acceptance. Mm. People, I feel like we all have, um, if you can just imagine like a battery, right? Like you have this, bat- you're, you're a battery and it's either full, halfway full or not. And it's like when things keep happening and they're taking that energy away from you, you have to first decide, is this something that I can control? If it's not, that's where the acceptance comes into play. And now what am I going to do to manage the emotions that come out of it so I can recharge my battery? Mm. And a lot of people don't do those things. And so that battery keeps getting lower and lower and lower and then it's empty. Sounds a lot like capacity. Yeah. (laughs) Where it keeps coming back up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yes. Self-awareness in it. And in this capitalist state, (laughs) no, we know that battery will just keep getting lower and lower Lower and lower. lower. Mm -hmm. So I would like to shift the conversation into your work with relationships with people. Yeah. So Lindsay and I, as we move forward with the podcast, we're definitely trying to figure out how to navigate uh, potentially having couples on because it's like the curiosity oh. standpoint I think is uh, we just are curious about how people love each other and how that pans out and like without trying to be like anyone's therapist because straight up obviously we're not qualified yeah, so, <laughs> so but it makes I, for good good listening and yeah. entertainment yes exactly <laughs> so I guess the first question we got here is what practices have you seen exemplified in your clients that create healthy non-monogamous relationships because polyamory has definitely been like a huge focal point for us too uh town hall meetings <laughs> town hall meetings Ooh, is that like kitchen table <laughs> and I say kitchen table is like polyamory where everyone knows each other and they're kind of friends with yeah. each other mm-hmm. definitely definitely I feel like even in monogamous relationships, couples don't communicate enough. So in non-monogamous relationships, there has to be even more communication, especially if it's uh, a closed polyamorous relationship or an open polyamorous relationship. The individuals involved have to have some communication on what's working and what's not working because they, there are so many moving parts. You got to talk about it. So whether it's, hey, let's all go out to eat and hash it out and talk about some things or kitchen at the, at the literal kitchen table. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so important to do. And to be honest, today, people just aren't getting it right. Mm. 
They just aren't. I've, I've had quite a few clients in polyamorous relationships. I've even had um, clients where um, there's a closed uh, polyamorous relationship. So just three people, the three people are monogamous with each, with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and we all had therapy together. So I've had that happen quite a few times. And it's so hard for everyone to get it right because they come in with these either with no rules or boundaries in their relationship or some, I don't know, made up idea of what they thought being in a polyamorous relationship was going to be. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I think it's such like a, like a part of our culture, like when you hear polyamory, it is like a level of like, um, I don't know what the word is, but it's like either, oh, either you know about it or you don't versus like the reality of it is it's, you can't know about it until you're in it and actually acknowledge the fact that everything is always going to be different based on the individuals. It just creates infinity options versus like, there's only one way to do it or this blanket umbrella of like how we're doing it. And you can just kind of like copy and paste and apply across the board. And like, there's no amount of research that you could really do versus like, there's never enough communication that you can have. to make sure that it happens yeah I think um you know I I have had some clients in the past that probably had one of the longest running um closed polyamorous relationships that I've ever um people that I've ever met Mm -hmm. um they I felt like they did a really good job and that was one of the things that stood out to me when I first met them was that they were already doing their like little monthly meetups and I was like kudos to (laughs) y'all I didn't even have to suggest it you were already doing it and Mm -hmm. I think that doing that brings about um a a feeling to everyone in the relationship that what's going on in their lives matters what's going on in everybody else's lives matters and we all care about how everyone feels in this relationship Mm -hmm. how can we make it better how can we make this work right Wow. And our, our minds are just so powerful. Like it's so easy for us to create this whole story, this whole Mm -hmm. construct or narrative about what something is going to be or how this person's going to change my life or what, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's like, that's the whole thing, right? When we fall in love with someone, we're like, Oh my God. And we're like, (laughs) forget that they're a human being that this is going to be a thing that requires you know work and writing the whole script especially in polyamorous relationships and like Mm -hmm. yeah it's just countless times where I, I myself or I've had friends that have this idea about the way something's going to be. And it's like, yeah, I didn't really talk to them about that. Mm -hmm. You want to know a big thing that comes up that people don't think about. It's just like you said, when we meet, meet the people we want to be with, we're all in love and it's great. And oh, everything's going to be roses and butterflies. And one thing that comes up that people don't think that's going to be a major issue because you're polyamorous is jealousy. Mm. 
Hmm. Jealousy. Inevitable. <laughs> right. It's going to happen. You're, hu- you're a human being and you're in love. Hopefully, you know, you, you got together because there was some love involved and, and you enjoyed the person's company and the compatibility that comes along in being with these people. But jealousy happens quite often and more so than you believe causes issues more so than you would believe in these relationships mm. yeah mm. do you so feel like you, oh you go ahead Lance. i was just gonna ask like if um is it common for the jealousy to be kind of like self-aware in this or is it mostly like i'm jealous but i don't want to say that because it makes me feel weak versus like i don't even know that i'm acting out of jealousy both both mm-hmm. Yeah, both. But I think it's important. That's why the meetings are important because um, sharing that. And I think just like you said, I don't, I have the jealousy, but I don't want to share it. Mm-hmm. The embarrassment behind it. I'm not supposed to be jealous. We're supposed to be happy in this relationship with each other or you know, mm-hmm. the other people in the relationship, but sharing it creates vulnerability in that relationship. It brings you closer. It's okay to be jealous. It's okay to feel like, oh, well, they spent more time with the other person and uh, I feel like they like them more or mm. they have more sex than we do. Mm. You know, all these things come into play and not sharing it and not talking about it is what creates most of the problems in these relationships. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Transparency goes a long way. It goes a long way. Hmm. I'm sorry, there's a really loud car driving past me. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, that's your ringtone dog? No. I thought you were playing some music for some background. No. I was like, now we're gonna transition into a break. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, we're not that fancy yet. Not yet. Um so one of the questions that I have is like my understanding is that in every relationship there's sort of this balance between feeling like um a sense of of your own identity as like the self and a a strong kind of like sense of individual individuality and then Mm -hmm. also the sort of strong sense of like partnership or belonging within the relationship And so I guess I was curious about how you um, navigate and balance kind of talking about those two things when working with a couple or working with uh, more than one person, basically, like talking about the individual, like the balance between having individual identity and identity in the relationship. Mm -hmm. Do you mean if, if there's an issue that's being brought up regarding that? Sure. Yeah. Okay. I think, I think I understand the question. Um, what I, I, what I would say when I'm, when I'm having like couples therapy or any group, um, I say group meaning, um, if it's polyamory, a polyamorous throuple, we're going to say throuple. (laughs) (laughs) If it's a a polyamorous relationship there where there's more than two people in therapy, um, what seems to come up regarding that is in more often in the beginning of the relationship, 
there seems to be a loss of individuality. And I think that comes about because you're kind of like in that fun infatuation, you know, having sex all the time stage (laughs) in the relationship where you forget about all the things you used to do and who you used to be before you got in the relationship. I think that's when that comes up most often. And so then we have to get into that conversation about creating balance because when it becomes just me as a partner, you lose the very thing that was attractive to your your partner that brought you two together or partners that brought you all together. And so it's now it's like, they don't have any hobbies. You don't have any hobbies. We don't do anything outside of each other. Uh, we don't have anything to talk about. That's why the meetings stop too. Mm. We don't have anything to talk about because we do everything together. Mm. Slippery slope. Mm-hmm. Slippery slope. Wow. So I feel like so invigorated by the idea of solo polyamory because I think before I've always applied like, oh, I'm a part-time person, but like actually putting to words like, no, I need to date myself first. Like that can never actually change because it's yeah. so easy. Yeah. Like what you were just describing, it's like lose yourself. And then it's like six months go by. Like, what, what have I been doing? What has been <laughs> happening? Sure. It's been like great pleasure, but like Jesus, like, yeah, when there's nothing to bring to the conversation, like that's, you start to wonder, like, is it just me? Have I just become like a, like, no, like you just forgot to put in all the work you should be doing all the time mm-hmm. to yeah. be an indiv- individual person. Yeah. This leads me to my next question too, which is that I feel like, um, I guess culturally, maybe like individual therapy is this thing that's like more accepted as something that you just do even if quote unquote nothing's wrong when we know Mm -hmm. there's always stuff to work on all the time like that's absurd um but for some reason I feel like in relationships that same idea doesn't translate as much where people wait until like shit hits the fan before they go to relationship therapy and I'm just Mm -hmm. wondering like why 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 you think Mm -hmm. that is or like have you had clients that are that are in relationship therapy before shit hits the fan um Mm -hmm. and do you see it as a beneficial thing regardless yeah I I think you are so right where in I, I I have more individual clients that just come to therapy maybe they didn't have a specific problem but they're like hey therapy's great but with my couples almost I will say Seven or eight out of 10 only come, like you said, when the shit hits the fan. Mm-hmm. So I do have a very small percentage of couples that I've seen that they were just like, oh, we're thinking about getting married or we just started dating and we really got hot and heavy really quick. And we just want to come to therapy to make sure we're compatible and we're doing, we're making the right decisions and not just because we're all lusty after each other. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> Cool. Oh, I didn't know that was an should, option. <laughs> yeah, more people should should do that, especially if you feel like it has gotten hot and heavy really quickly and things are moving really fast. Let's let's go to therapy and see if this is really worth pursuing since we have moved so quickly. Mm. Um, I I do have couples like that, and I, I'm so impressed when I see them. But the majority of couples that I see have only started to come because there's a really big issue 
And I have to say that as a therapist, I am an offender of that as well. Mm. I'm telling on myself, I've done it too. My husband and I have gone to therapy after shit has hit the fan and we're like, maybe we should go to therapy. <laughs> right. I feel like, oh, we should have been in therapy. <laughs> right. Why, why have, do you think we do that? I have no idea. I can tell you why as a therapist, I did it in my own relationship, but I think it has to do with because I'm a therapist. And mm. I think to myself, oh, I can figure out how to work this out on my own. But what ended, ended up happening with me is my husband's like, I don't care what you say. <laughs> I'm not a therapist to him. Mm. I'm his wife. Right. So he doesn't care what I have to say. He doesn't care when I say, maybe we should try this. And he's looking at me like, um, whatever. And well, it's walking off. Oh my I, God. We, I relate we, to this so much because my ex is a therapist. Oh, ah, oh so you ah. used to do your ex like that? Nah. Yes. Yes. Don't therapize We're, me. I don't pay shame you. On you. Shame We're, on you. He would like ask me a question and I'd be like, are you therapizing me? And she's like, I literally just asked you a question. <laughs> Shame on you. Cause let me tell you, it's tough being a therapist in a relationship and things are not going well. Mm. And you're trying your best to, you know, figure out some ways to make it better and create some interventions. So you are in essence being the therapist in your own relationship. And it's like, your partner's like, you are not my therapist. <laughs> you really have to get an outside party. So that's what took us so long because I was trying to do it on my own. Mm. Right, right. He's not listening to me. He is not going to listen to me at all. So let me go ahead and get a therapist so mm. we can do this the right way. Mm -hmm. As far as everybody else, I'm not sure why it takes them so long to come in. And I will tell you time after time, when I've met people that it has really, really gotten so bad that I get nervous that I'm even able to help them. Mm -hmm. And all I can do is sit there and think, how come you didn't come a year ago? Or how come you didn't, I could have really, really helped you. And what mm -hmm. ends up happening, if, if anybody hears anything from this podcast, I want them to remember resentment sets up and it is so hard to get rid of hmm. it's easier in the beginning when you first have the problems because they haven't quite piled up so much and you haven't been experiencing the same thing over and over and over and over and over again but our brains start to keep tally even if we feel like we're not our brains start to keep those those experiences and then they just start adding up and adding up and adding up and then when someone tries to help, you try to get help, your heart and your brain aren't working together. And it's like, I don't like you anymore. <laughs> I don't even know how to come back from all of these problems. Cause I don't even know if I wanna accept you doing something that is positive because we've gotten to this point. Wow. I don't Mic even drop. know if I can accept it, yeah. Boom. Have, think about it this way, you two. Have you ever had any experience where someone has apologized and, you know, they were really sincere, but you felt nothing? You were just like, so what? Like, can I curse on here? Yes, yes, yes. 
Fuck your apology. (laughs) Apology means shit to me. Mm -hmm. I know you've felt like that before. We all have. Yeah. Yeah. That means there's nothing that person can do or say. It's too late. You waited too long. It's like drinking poison. Yeah. You played yourself. Wow. So go to therapy early. Well, in the dating sphere, though, it's right. Okay, you just inspired me in the sense of like, okay, you just created a new thought bubble of an option. Like, oh, you can ask someone to go to therapy that you just started dating. Mm -hmm. Like, that's never crossed my mind before. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, that sounds really extra. (laughs) That sounds like a lot, but like, well, okay, and we're not talking about first, second. Well, no, 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 no. But but I'm catching. I'm picking up what you're putting out in the sense of like, okay, two people who are really into each other, and like, oh my god, this is really like, it's. It's moving fast it's moving yeah. fast, and like uh, it, there's just so much going on at once like why would you wait or why would you like uh I guess wait for the milestone or like the longevity mm-hmm. element of which I feel like in my mind has always been like locked up like oh we haven't even been dating like but one year we need therapy already versus yeah. like I would be going to therapy talking with like you know my friends or like any other situation where if I'm not identifying as like a high stakes operation in the way that I am like romantically that just has to be like busted and or like nipped at the bud because it's just it's not really based in anything real it's just no matter what time does not dictate what's actually going on between you and this other person like it does not really that off it's not really like that wild (laughs) to be like maybe we need like some help and like have a professional come in and be like is this just like all in my head? Like, yeah. is this healthy? Is this good? Or is this about to like catch fire and like hurt both of us? Yeah, because when we're in that stage in the beginning of the relationship, we forget to ask important questions about things that really play a big part in compatibility. You know, how you solve problems together, the things you value in life, the beliefs you have, how you see yourself in the world. And even more, more tangible things like, do you want children or do you want to live? Do you, are you okay living together? If we really got serious, do you want to get married or all these things people fail to, you know, have just candid conversations about because they're all hot and heavy with each other. And then next thing you know, you're living together. One person's a slob and they don't pay bills. And you're like, what the hell? <laughs> how did this happen right you, get you never talked up. about it getting caught up in the booty right? this is like classic lesbian story <laughs> well, i think i told you the joke about queen the owner of the practice how she says to, to um like her lesbian like her lesbian couple she's like uh oh yeah so basically well not just lesbian couple she says this to people who um like move in really quickly or they're all in love after the first date. She's like, oh, so technically y'all are a lesbian couple. Yeah. <laughs> like just classic U-Haul shit. God. We're moving in on the second date. Yeah. Like oh identifying God. infatuation versus, oh, we're really like connecting. That I wonder about like how to actually like because how would you really I don't know I guess what would be like a marker to really know like okay I'm just really super like into you and like it's just like the like the physical and the sexual is just so heightened right mm-hmm. versus like obviously you need the mental and emotional to really make this thing like go anywhere else if it is going to go anywhere else yeah. but how do you really know if it is just like your hormones mm-hmm. versus like conversations yeah those conversations don't happen because you're too busy having fun yeah 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're going out, you're hanging out with friends, you're eating, you're drinking, you're having sex. You're not talking about, you know, what do you really value in your life? <laughs> Shit, man. You're so right. <laughs> what are you're your values? We're not talking about stuff like that. You're not talking about, you know, where do you see yourself in 10 years? <laughs> oh, it just comes off so like I'm trying to wipe it down versus like, I'm just trying to figure out if this could even be in this next dimension of like where it's going. Yeah, yeah. I get it. I mean, but you have to find a way to let it happen organically. I, I yeah. get that it can feel like an interview and you're, you know, trying to give all these interview questions for the the next one that you're going to choose but it can happen organically and I think it happens it the easiest way for it to happen organically is when you're out or when you're watching movies together that's a really good way for those conversations to happen because normally when we're watching movies we talk about what happened in the movie Uh, quite often there are things real life things that we come in contact with all the all the time and decisions we have to make Mm-hmm. And so perfect time to have those conversations. Yep. Wow. A lot more low stakes. That's mm-hmm. such good advice. And also I've been thinking about how if this is someone who doesn't want to talk about these things or is like intimidated by these things, or if I feel weird around them talking about these things, then no, this isn't the person <laughs> for me. <laughs> it might not be a good sign. I mean, I get some people are nervous in the beginning talking about things like that, but if you notice that they're always dodging questions like that or changing the subject, something's up. Mm-hmm. That 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 radar needs to come up like, wait a minute, are they trying to hide something or what are their real intentions for this? Mm-hmm. this or are they just not like... Like I'm only interested in engaging with people that are th- that are thinking about themselves and are dating themselves in some way or another yeah. because they're not going to respect me doing that if they aren't doing that for themselves as well. You were exactly right, right about that. Yeah. <sighs> Have you found that like relationships that start polyamorously, like are they successful? versus like the ones that evolve into polyamory can you be a little bit more specific because what comes to mind when you say that you can tell me if i'm listening Mm -hmm. correctly evolving into becoming polyamory meaning it started out as a monogamous relationship yes okay and then versus what you were openly dating other people and they just never stop. Yeah. Oh, okay. Hmm. Interesting. I don't know if I've ever thought about that, to hmm. be honest. Um, I, I will say that I have had clients who started out mon- in, in a monogamous relationship and wanted to explore polyamory, but I don't know the outcome of that, to be hmm. honest. So I have to, I have to be honest with that. I don't have any personal experience with the difference between the two and how successful they, they ended up being yeah could you kind of define the difference between polyamory and an open relationship okay so you remember remember earlier when I was talking about closed polyamory 
relationships. Mm-hmm. So, and there are different names for it. Some people call them um, monogamous, uh, monogamous polyamorous relationships. There's a few different names for them, but that just means that you have a set number of people in the relationship and you all are monogamous with those people. So if it's mm-hmm. three of you, you only date the, it's only the three of you. Nobody's dating, having any other dates or meeting other people outside of the three people in the relationship or four people in the relationship. However, you decide what that is. Mm -hmm. An open polyamorous relationship would be having what what you call a, I I hate to use these words, like main relationship, Mm -hmm. um, but you are openly dating other people. Um, So maybe it did start out as a monogamous relationship, but you both decided you wanted to openly date other people. And so you have the freedom to do that, but then we have the communication that comes into play. What does that mean? And I like to preference that by saying, you make rules based on what works for you. That's Mm -hmm. why I said there's no... um, even though we have all these set names for what these relationships are, there isn't a, um, a rule book that says you do this, you do that, you do this, and that's what this relationship is. Really, these are blanket terms for these relationships. You have to create the rules that work for you and your partners. So having an open polyamorous relationship would mean you have set individuals in the relationship, but you all are openly dating. Mm-hmm. Okay. Whereas the monogamous polyamorous relationship, there's another word for this. I feel like I'm like a polycule. I can't know. Re- it's, it's, it has something to do with monogamy, but there are mo- more than two people in the relationship. Oh. I apologize. That's another correct term, but you, it's like I explained before, you have a set number of people and you guys are only dating each other. It's a closed relationship. Mm-hmm. Good to know the difference. Hobbs, <clears throat> What's up? what uh, what was your, I feel like you had an answer that you thought was going to be the answer to that question. Mm. What well, was I don't have, I don't have the uh, experience like knowing, is that what you're talking about, Liam? Yeah. Yeah. Hobbs, yeah. what, what, what do you, what, what was, where was that coming from? My question? <laughs> I, I guess I'm just curious as to like how to navigate. I'm still just trying to figure out what label to like apply to what feels best and what makes the most sense for what I'm trying to create in my own life. Because right. I know that in therapy, like Chloe and I've discussed like, okay, polyamory versus open relationship. And I feel like I was very confused as to like what I was actually getting at and like what I actually wanted. Because in my mind, it was like, well, if you're just dating other people, like how do you really know when the stops are of like, dating other people and like having a relationship with other people so in my mind they were kind of seated as like the same thing it's like mm-hmm. oh if you're just dating like, you're you're dating you know because yeah if you're not like approaching everything as like an escalator like oh if we're dating then we're going somewhere and doing this thing then it's like okay if we're not doing that to me they sound the same in some ways i guess what is polyamory polyamory and open like open relationships like in the okay, sense so of like I anything can still happen where, i think that's where the confusion comes into play and why so many people use the term polyamorous. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have to think about what it means to, to be in a committed relationship. And so just having, just saying that you're dating people, you can't just say that. I'm just dating. 
just openly dating. I'm not committed to any one person. I'm just seeing other people. When you say I'm in a polyamorous relationship, that means you have committed to more than one person. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. The, everybody knows about each other. The, right. Consensual. Or you yeah. all are dating each other. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So you are you have committed to each other. Rather, you're still openly dating. So you can be in a polyamorous relationship, meaning you're committed to two one or more people, but you still prefer to openly date. That's fine. But your committed polyamorous relationship needs to be aware of this. Mm -hmm. Yep. Right. I love this idea of a town hall because I feel like it just keeps coming up again and again and again Mm -hmm. of like, well, we like just town hall it. Like what, what is going on? (laughs) Because you have to give everybody the opportunity to buy into it or not. Mm -hmm. If you're in a polyamorous relationship, a committed polyamorous relationship, and one person wants to openly date other people, then you definitely need to have a meeting about that because now you know we talk about safety concerns sexually well so are you going to be sexually active outside of our polycule there we go with this term are you going to be sexually active outside of our polycule or are you just dating Mm. right Right? so we need to be open and upfront about these things because our um, sexual health comes into play as well Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. safety first y'all yeah, safety first. It's a it's a, a really really big thing that doesn't get addressed enough in polyamorous relationships. Oh wow! Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I gotta sit on that one. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. Still to this day, people have embarrassment around talking about sexual health. I mean, we're humans. We're gonna have sex. Uh, if we're having sex with multiple partners and we're not using protection. Why are you embarrassed that you got a sexually transmitted infection or disease? You put yourself in the position. So let's address it. Let's talk about it. Let's find ways to be safe. Let's get treated. It's not Mm -hmm. anything to be embarrassed about, but we need to be educated about it. So we decrease the chances of these things happening and, you know, creating harm for ourselves and others. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. (laughs) not talked about enough no yeah it's funny with the whole pandemic like it added this whole other layer to dialogue about like well where have you been (laughs) (laughs) if I'm unmasking around you and I think it really just kind of shed light on exactly what you're talking about people don't really have conversations about consent when it comes to safety and Mm -hmm. health beyond like the sexual realm just like the breath thing with corona (laughs) I don't know who you've been around Yeah, we, we really have to uh, decrease a lot of the embarrassment and stigma around um, sexual health, period. Yeah. And just in general, like the directness that comes from addressing these things and like being transparent, it's unfortunate mm-hmm. that I feel like it also comes in hand in hand with someone being too much mm-hmm. or doing the most or being extra or like yeah. prying versus like, I just want to know what the standards are right now. Like, I don't care. It's not, there's no connotation with it. It's just let me be aware right but, right there's definitely no not a practice i just need to know yeah <laughs> give up. me give me the chance to say yeah. your name <laughs> yeah the power of the choice informed consent yeah mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And yeah, I think, I think it just goes back again to like, if someone isn't able to have these open and transparent conversations, I don't want to fuck you anyways. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you'd be surprised at, you know, how, t- and I, oh, I don't even know if I want to use the word timid, but I will. How timid we get mm. when we really like someone and you, you're having all those butterfly feelings and you want to ask the question, but you feel afraid. There's so many people mm-hmm. that feel that way. Well, to that, I would say everyone needs to read more Audre Lorde because when she tells us to center our erotic pleasure and it really is just about naming what you want from a situation. Like when I think about that, when I think about like how to navigate these conversations, I'm like, I want to feel good. I want you to feel good. And I feel good when you feel good. So we have to be having these things because it's the most important. It's why we're here. Right. Straight up. It's so true. And you want to have great, healthy sex. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I want like let's go to coffee and talk about what we want from each other. <laughs> you know, versus like I feel like all the movies have taught us like, oh, it's weird to like you're gonna ruin the mood to ask, oh, can I touch you this way? It's like, no, that makes it way better. Right. Mm-hmm. Way better. Yeah. Yes. I feel like, yeah. And I feel like it was only when I came into my queerness that I felt more comfortable with that because like it was almost like having sex with a ton of different types of people with different gender identities different bodies and stuff like Mm -hmm. you kind of have to have those conversations like while you're having sex because there's so like it's like whoa there's no script again like the script is thrown out the fucking window and like if we're not talking while we're like having sex then like who knows what the fuck is going on (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, mm-hmm. you have to talk about it. You have to talk about it. Yeah. Absolutely. So Hobbs brought up the pandemic. And I guess one of our questions was about like, do you see a common thread of the kind of support that has been most impactful through therapy during the pandemic? Or um, I guess, has there been something that has been yeah impactful or super useful through the pandemic more than like other things um as far as therapy is concerned or just in general support that I've seen people um leaning on to help them through the pandemic I think as far as therapy is concerned I don't know Hobbs how did you were you thinking about this I kind of want to hear both (laughs) Mm -hmm. something that was most helpful Mm-hmm. this zoom <laughs> technology right. mm-hmm. I, I have to I have to say this over and over again anytime the conversation comes up technology saved a lot of us mm-hmm. it really did because this was a time where you know we were all alone and stuck in the house um, whether or not you lived with someone or not you know there are still feelings of loneliness and isolation and technology made that made us uh, put us in a position where we could get through that. Even though we couldn't physically touch people when we wanted to, it gave us the opportunity to see each other's faces, to see our facial expressions, to still take each other with you throughout your quarantine life. Because mm-hmm. we got these cell phones, we can walk around on FaceTime and show you what we're doing anytime we want to. And it was so helpful. And I found that even in my therapy sessions, that was what most people leaned on the most to create some support 
to make it through the pandemic. And it obviously was a, a huge, huge part of my business because that's the, that was the only way I could reach out to my clients and they could reach out to me. Mm-hmm. With therapy, was it mostly like just being there? I guess just being able to listen because it seemed mm-hmm. like because you just named like, you know, you were living with, we're all kind of living with people. Some of us weren't, but just having someone else who maybe oh, isn't yeah. in the exact same situation that you are as you're experiencing it to just listen. Definitely. Just being here to listen, just being somebody to, you know, talk and shoot the shit with. I mean, mm-hmm. I have plenty of clients that lived alone and didn't even live in the same state as family members or um, friends oh. and having a therapy session was like, the best thing ever for the week, right? We get to talk and laugh and talk about things that don't feel good and talk about things that do feel good. Um, so therapy, I saw, took an uptick during, mm-hmm. you know, especially during the times where people were on shutdown in different states, um, because you just needed to hear that you're not alone. Everybody's mm-hmm. feeling this way. I was feeling that way you know, telling my clients that I feel the same way too. I can identify, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. I think it was so helpful in feeling, creating that feeling of belonging, that feeling that every human being needs, feeling isolated, but knowing that, hey, I'm not the only one. I still belong to this bigger picture of everyone that it's that's experiencing the same thing that I'm experiencing right now. I think that helped a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm really into this next question because okay. <laughs> I feel like everyone always like, I, I feel like I was just in a conversation about like how <clears throat> my brother dates someone who reminds me of my mom. So <laughs> is this like just a stereotype that people just tend to date people like their parents, whether that's in a, the dynamic sense or the physical sense? Can you talk about like the psychology behind it or if it's true? It in is sense? actually a real thing. It is actually a real thing. And oh gosh, if, if I wish I had some, um, some research to point you guys to, but there are reasons why in good ways and bad ways that, that we do that. The, I'll get with the bad ways because that's why a lot of people are in therapy. <laughs> uh, remember when I talked about that do-over mm-hmm. earlier in the, in the podcast? Oh, so <laughs> when we date people that are similar to our parents, it's almost like our our psyche's way of trying to create a do-over to fix something that either we didn't get in our relationship with our parents or some, some type of experience that either was traumatic or didn't feel good or, or made you feel a certain way or view the world a different way. We seek out partners that have similar uh, personalities and create similar experiences with those partners to do over that part of our relationship with our parents. You just blew my fucking mind. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Wow. It happens all the time. Wow. And then on the other side of that, people do seek out partners that have good 
qualities and good traits of their parents because that's what they they see and they they want to model after their parents. So there's good and bad about when we do that when we're seeking out partners. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not all bad. Wow. It's wild though. Yeah. It makes me think too about how we kind of develop a relate or an attachment style based off of our uh, initial relationship with our parents because that's our first relationship Mm -hmm. ever really Mm -hmm. and then how that attachment style can kind of stick with us in adulthood or we can see it for what it is and actively try to shift it right and just like the connection with oh my god there's just so much there that I'm just Mm -hmm. like wow yeah attachment style gets a uh, gets into that a lot so you know doing research on attachment style and if you are aware of of having a particular attachment style that isn't secure um, making sure you seek out relationships that are secure so you um, move out of that attachment style that you originally had Mm -hmm. yeah takes a lot of self-awareness to go online <laughs> and figure that out which attachment am I you go to therapy yeah <laughs> yeah but some people like to learn about things like that that's why I said you know look 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 some of these things up and try to identify and create some awareness within yourself some people love like educating themselves on things like that and the psychology behind why they you know, choose certain partners or why they behave a certain way in relationships when certain things happen. Um, It's a good way to learn about yourself. Absolutely. I just got that giant book, the relationship book. So you can just kind of, I mean, in my mind, I was like, okay, obviously it's just a book about relationships Mm because you can pinpoint your birthday and whoever else's birthday and figure out where you're at on the map. And I almost didn't buy it because the first review I saw and it was like, you know what, like, I don't like this book because I just kept seeing the same thing and all of like the things that I was like looking at. I'm like, well, maybe you're just like repeating (laughs) all of your relationships. And now that I have the book, I'm looking at it. It's like, it points out interesting things. And I love that kind of information just because even if you don't feel like you're looking for the answers, it can give you Mm -hmm. options and kind of parse out what fits, what doesn't fit, or just what's insight that maybe like was right in front of your face, but you were just too close Mm -hmm. to see it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's any sort of like reflection tool is Mm -hmm. like ultimately like none of like we're talking I was talking about this with astrology where I was like none of this is like cold hard truth like we're just given sort of all these symbols and ideas and we get to decide what resonates and once again we're the story creators where we Mm -hmm. can spin things to like basically fit into our lives however we need or want them to Mm -hmm. little answer key what'd you say it's like a little answer key for life mm -hmm. yeah yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. and oh something else really wild came up which is that like we are ourselves so we know ourselves like really well but at the same time we will never truly fully see ourselves like literally we need mirrors to see ourselves and sometimes other people or these other tools or these other ideas or whatever we need them to be able to reflect Mm -hmm. you're exactly Mm -hmm. right well this 
brings us to our question that we ask everyone that comes on the podcast, Chloe. I can't wait to hear this from you. Um, What is your astrological sign and how do you relate or not not relate to it? (laughs) I'm a Capricorn. Capricorn. I feel like, wait, I just got to say this first. I feel like Capricorns get this I don't want to say bad rap, but they get this label of being boring, working, always thinking about work type of people and just got the blinders on and it's work or nothing else. Do you guys hear that right? Yes. Or you yeah. guys get ignored completely, honestly. Like I never see content about Capricorns. Thank you. Because <laughs> yeah. we're the boring blinders on workers. Mm. that is so far from the truth i don't think that's true i think the capricorns that i think of and i'm thinking of two people in particular Mm -hmm. on top of like my impression of you you guys are like one of the more chill out of all the zodiac signs so it's like because you're not overtly creating drama i feel like in ways that like we're always throwing shit at gemini's and scorpios for it (laughs) over it's like uh well they're boring because no like capricorns i feel like are like one of the more like self-aware because like they're ambitious and like on a grind but like it's not like the grind where it's like Scorpio extreme of like you just do do anything else outside of what you're doing right now dude like this is a lot it's like more balanced I think so I think you guys get ignored because you're like chilling over there yeah I will say the the whole ambitious grind thing is true Mm -hmm. however I have ADHD so mine is very uh sporadic (laughs) and not very organized Mm -hmm. (laughs) ambitious grind uh but I will agree it that is the case for myself I'm on my second career now I used to be an accountant and I used to want to be the VP of some corporate company or whatever and I was like no I'm gonna do what I really want to do right? That's not me. I feel like the whole corporate environment, I don't like to follow rules, which is something that I think they, they put on the Capricorn. I don't. And mm-hmm. every other Capricorn that I've met, I don't think they like to follow rules either. No. By the way, I've dated more Capricorns than not. They're fun. I feel like, I feel, as you, yeah. <laughs> I feel like we're one of the only signs that can successfully date each other. Oh, that is an interesting thought. Is that you? You guys are Earth signs, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like it's an Earth sign thing. I think Virgos get along with other Virgos. Maybe that may be the case. My mm-hmm. my 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 partner's a Capricorn. I've had other Capricorns before this one. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I feel like we we're kind of weird too, and we only understand each other. To be honest, I feel like mm-hmm. people don't get us. Yeah, they're That's- not. I mean, my mom's a Capricorn and I, she is definitely one of those people where every time I think I have her figured out, you're like, like, say or do something. And I'm like, the fuck bitch. Like, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) they're enigmas, dude. Like both the Capricorns I'm thinking of, they both have recently had a huge like career or lifestyle turn. And now they're like, just Mm -hmm. fully like, I mean, you just changed your mind and then just went there. Yeah. And now you're like enjoying it and doing it. Like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. You didn't ask for permission. You didn't like, I don't know, stew and complain yeah. for 30 years before you changed. Like, oh my <laughs> Let God. Let me tell you, they probably thought about it for a while. Yeah. But when people see Capricorns making changes, it it looks and appears to be so like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you just did that. 
you just completely turn that way. Mm-hmm. And, but to be honest, I will say we do comp- contemplate things for, for a while before mm-hmm. we do things like that. But when we do it, we do it. Yeah. It's inspiring. I'll leave, move. I'll go live somewhere else. I'll get another career. I'll do it in a minute. And I'll be like, I've only got one life to live right now. <laughs> <laughs> but y'all do it like mind your business versus like Sagittarius is like, I'm doing it and I'm th- everything's on fire. Right. <laughs> Everything's on fire on my way there. Yeah, I, I burned it. Burned all the bridges. Oh my oh, wow. God. That's so true. Now, I'm curious since your mom is a Capricorn, what's your sign? Me? Mm-hmm. My, I'm an Aquarius. Okay, so you're, you two are close. Me and my mom? Yeah. I get yeah. along with both my parents. Meaning your birthdays are close. Your, mm-hmm. your, your birthdays. Oh, are yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, my sister... My sister's birthday is in November. My mom's December and me January. So it's always <laughs> in succession. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's true. Cool. Wow. Well, this was so enlightening. <laughs> this was fun. You too. Yes. Thank yeah. you so much for coming. And y'all, if you want some therapy, I know Chloe probably has a couple spots open. I sure do. We'll post up that link. Get you on the site. Get some Magnolia health in your life there you go you and guys- if, if if you send me an email and let me know that you watched the podcast you can get a discount uh, did y'all hear that shit affordable therapy with chloe god <laughs> wow how Just can people- let me know that you watched the 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 podcast and we'll go from there how can people um find you like what's your website or where can people reach you the website is magnoliamhealth.com and you can find my profile on there and read it. And if it appeals to you, just shoot me an email or make an appointment. You have the ability to do either or, okay? Awesome. That's yeah. how I found it. I just Google a black therapist <laughs> near me. <laughs> yeah, and just to let, let everybody know, the practice is black woman and queer woman owned. Hmm. And all of our therapists are people of color and or queer. Y'all heard that shit. Mm -hmm. Go heal your minds and your relationships. (laughs) Go get you and your new hottie in some therapy. Boom.